Good morning, this is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the One who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents the Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, today I want to talk to you about the Church. And I want to use that remarkable image that St. Paul gives us. An image, I think, that is very powerful, but that we don't often think about. Let me read to you from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. As a body is one, though it has many parts, and all the parts of the body, though many, are one body, so also Christ. Now you are Christ's body, individually parts of it. Some people God has designated in the church to be first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then mighty deeds, then gifts of healing, assistance, administration, and the variety of tongues. Now there it is. We've heard it many times. Paul's image of the church as the body of Christ. What does it tell us? It tells us first what the church is not. The church of Jesus Christ is not a society. Not a club. It's not a collectivity of like-minded people. So you have the Winston Churchill Society, people who like Churchill, they admire him, they read his writings, and they come together to remember him. The church is not like that. It's not the Elks Club. It's not the United States of America. It's not a society that is chosen to come together. Rather, the church of Jesus Christ is his body. Think of the language of the Gospels here. I am the vine, and you are the branches. That's how intimately we are joined to the life of Christ. Live in me as I live in the Father. Look, a Buddhist follows the teaching of the Buddha. He admires him, he emulates him, and follows his teaching. A Muslim will follow the revelation that came through Muhammad. But the Christian lives in Christ Jesus. He doesn't simply emulate him doesn't simply follow his teaching. He does that. But more, he lives in Christ, sharing his very life. Where does this become clearest? When we come forward to receive the Eucharist. We come forward to eat his body and drink his blood, that we might take his life into ours, that we might become Christ in an almost physical sense. That's how intimately we are joined to him. Let's stay with this image just a little bit. A body like organs or cells of Christ. How do organs exist in a body? Interdependently. I could never say if I have a serious problem in my stomach, well, that's the stomach's problem, it's not my problem. Well, no, in time it becomes the entire body's problem because everything is connected to everything else. If I stub my toe, I don't say, well, my toe hurts. I hurt. Everything in the body is connected to everything else. 
if one system in your body is suffering, the other systems tend to compensate, to make up for it. That's the way the body exists. That's the way the body takes care of itself. So, Christians, we are members of the body of Christ. Could I ever say to someone in this body, well, that's your problem. No, listen, if one person in the body of Christ is lonely, if there's one person in the body of Christ who's afraid, if there's one person in the body of Christ who's unemployed, who's anxious, who's in pain, who's in fear of death, that is not his problem or her problem. That is that's how intimately and organically related to each other we are. Can I give you a real concrete example of this? Some years ago, I knew a woman who was a very fierce opponent of abortion, often speaking out clearly and courageously against it, and I applauded her for that. But one day when we were talking, I said, when is the last time you did something for a young woman who's wrestling with this terrible problem of an unwanted pregnancy? When's the last time you took concrete steps to help her deal with her problem? If all we do is criticize moral faults from the outside and do nothing to help those who are wrestling with those problems, then we are not living adequately as members of the body of Christ. There. It's our problem, a problem that we all share and that we all bear a responsibility for. Make it even more pointed. What's our favorite indoor pastime? <laughs> we all love to critique each other. Whether you're gathered around the kitchen table, around the water cooler, wherever human beings gather, we tend to gossip, backstab, critique. Here's a rule of thumb. If you feel you want to criticize somebody, go ahead. Fine. As long as you are willing to commit yourself to helping that person deal with the problem that you've named. If you're not willing to do that, then don't criticize. Now, that's a very difficult rule. It's very hard for us to follow that. Only if we are willing at the same moment to say, I will do everything in my power to help you deal with this problem, then I cannot criticize. That's the way members of Christ's body would behave. Now, friends, can I turn this image around now just in another direction? Is the body of Christ made up of interdependent organs and cells? Yes. And so, as I've been describing, we are on for each other. But, as Paul points out, there's a flip side to this image. Every organ, every cell, every system in the body has its own unique function, its own unique purpose, its characteristic task in the body. So the eye is not the hand, the hand is not the foot, the heart is not the lung, muscle tissue is not bone. Good. That's what makes the body vibrant and rich and alive. 
Interdependent, yes, but each organ characteristic, unique, distinctive. So we in Christ's body, every one of us, every cell, every organ, has its own unique and distinctive function. How good it is that the body of Christ is not all one, all doing the same thing, all administrators or all prophets or all teachers, but rather each one of us has a distinctive and unique mission. Now I want to give this a particular focus. The Second Vatican Council, as we know, put a huge stress on the distinctive and characteristic role of the laity in the church. It called the laity to their important role in the body. But you know what? I think since the council, we have largely dropped the ball on this idea. I think what we've done is we've tended to bring the laity into the church. Now that's a good thing to some degree. But according to Vatican II, the characteristic role of the laity is the sanctification of the world, the consecration of the world. The laity's task is to go out and now remake society according to the image of the body of Christ. What do we do after the council? I think we tended to look within within our own ecclesial life. And we said, now, the way to get the laity involved is to get more lay lectors, more lay Eucharistic ministers, more lay pastoral associates and directors of religious education. Now, don't get me wrong. Those are all good things. Those are all important tasks and roles in the church. And I'm glad the laity has assumed those roles. But let's be frank about it. Those ministries will be performed by a tiny handful, a small percentage of the laity. Those are not the characteristic or distinctive roles of the laity, of 98% of lay people. Rather, as the Council points out, and as John Paul II frequently has pointed out, that role is the transformation of society, transformation of the world. For example, there might be some lawyers listening to me, maybe some paralegals, maybe some judges. What's your task? Your task is to bring Christ's justice to your world. Not to allow your world to turn in on itself, but rather to bring to it Christ's justice. What you hear in the Scripture what you experience in the Eucharist, now you bring that to the transformation of your world. Are there perhaps some doctors listening to me? Some nurses, some medical technicians? What's your task? Your task is to bring to your world Christ's healing power. Your task is to be a great Christian doctor, a great Christian nurse, that you might sanctify your world by bringing Christ's healing power to it. Are there educators listening to me? Teachers? Writers? What's your task? Bring Christ's truth to your world. 
God knows there's a need for it. We live in a society which is so characterized by falsehood that listens to and abides by falsehood in all sorts of forms. Your task as you speak and as you write and as you teach, your task is to bring Christ's truth to your world. That's how you fulfill your mission in the church. Are there parents and grandparents listening to me? What's your mission? To sanctify your family. John Paul has called the family an ecclesiola. That means a little church. Your task is to make of your family a little church, a place of peace, of forgiveness, of compassion and love, where you can pass on to your children and your grandchildren the great values of the gospel. That's how you sanctify the world. Friends, I think to follow up on Paul's image, I think the laity are the arms and the hands and the feet of the body of Christ. You reach out to the world to embrace it. You reach out as hands to touch it. You walk and you run with the feet of Christ to bring his good news to the world. You are members of the body. When you fulfill your characteristic function, you are doing now what Christ intends. Can I close now with something from the Gospel of Luke, the very beginning of Jesus' public ministry? He stands up and says, here's my task to bring glad tidings to the poor, to proclaim liberty to captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and let the oppressed go free. Listen, that's Christ speaking. Christ is the head. We, all of us, baptized men and women, we are members of his body. Therefore, that's our task as well, in our own particular way. Do we bring liberty to captives? Yes, all those who are captive to fear and to hatred. Do we bring sight to the blind? Yes, those who are too blind to see the truth. We do it all in our unique and characteristic way. We do what Christ did. And we can say with him, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. That's the spirit of baptism. And it has anointed me with this power to go forth and be the body of Christ. God bless you. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you.